Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Patrick Reynolds. Patrick is a principal for Deloitte working in their Salesforce practice in Sydney. He has been on the podcast before and he was back to share some insight and discuss some trends that we're currently seeing across the Salesforce ecosystem. So we touch on the volume of opportunities, why there are so many opportunities right now. We discuss the shortage of talent in the market and then touch on things like licenses, um, Salesforce industry specializations, and the product fit for certain different industries, and some of the competitors that he's seeing in the market in some of these different industries that he is currently exploring. So a really, really interesting episode. I love Pat's view on the market and his honesty around some of the challenges that we're seeing. I really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Patrick, welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you, mate. How are you surviving this lockdown? I'm surviving and we've got what, I think as of today, maybe uh, 18 days, something like that. Counting it down. Counting it down. Cannot wait. First thing you get to do is go for a surf, I believe. 100% cannot wait to go for a surf. I think we were talking about running and this could have run the risk of turning into one of those Joe Rogan podcasts where we talk about diets, keto, friendly diets and running and calories and kilojoules and Brazilian jiu-jitsu but we won't go there yeah yeah definitely let's leave that to the expert leave that to the expert Joe Rogan but you've been on before we spoke about your career and and your journey through the ecosystem today we're talking about the current trends and and what we're seeing right now but just for anyone that's catching up and, and maybe hasn't caught up with you recently what do you do now what's your role if you could summarize your responsibilities Yeah, absolutely. Well, now I'm a principal at Deloitte Digital, which is a very interesting place compared to some of the places I've worked previously in the Salesforce ecosystem. I guess my role on a day-to-day basis still has a very, very strong bond to Salesforce and the work that we do within that space. But more broadly than that, when we're talking digital at Deloitte, we're across all different facets of digital, right? We're talking about the strategy around a customer journey itself, the design of that journey itself, whether it's in a physical or digital space, all the way through to executing a technical digital channel or an asset, all the way through to kind of supporting it, right? So we get a a really broad set of skills and points of view to tackle a, a digital initiative or a digital transformation. Whereas I think previously, maybe we were a lot more, and myself in my career was a lot more, fan cloud aligned and you know we're in this cloud and fan and we're doing these specific processes and almost the quasi management consulting that comes out of that boutique implementation approach is driven by a technology asset almost a rebranded version of the salesforce marketing pitch so it's refreshing now my role is really about solving customer problems really interesting customer problems and then leveraging our skill set so you know i'm i'm networking a lot around who we have internally and all the different specialist skill sets we have internally and how we introduce some of those net new thoughts into the Salesforce ecosystem, as well as whatever else we do digitally. So mobile, front-end design, everything we do in commerce cloud and marketing cloud, everything we do in like strategy at the front end of the funnel, I like to call it, before we 
you know, where we just kind of have that inception of an idea with a customer or a customer has some inception and they engage us to go, let's flesh this out. So it's kind of connecting the dots internally at Deloitte. And then, yeah, the standard trying to, as always, build out the kind of breadth and depth of the ecosystem and the talent skill set, which, you know, is a hot topic right now, but there's no better way than to take the brightest, the freshest and the newest individuals and get them excited about what we do with enterprise software and technologies like Salesforce and taking them along the journey of, don't be so afraid that you're tying yourself to this proprietary vendor and you know, you're going to clip your wings, so to speak. It's actually the opposite. You're going to learn more in this space and this ecosystem, and you're going to accelerate your learning than you probably will anywhere else. If you just go into a, a niche technical field with a, a startup or a, like a Facebook or a Google, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a similar kind of product focus, or you're just going to be an engineer in this area you're going to learn less about end-to-end sort of business processes and day-to-day problems that organizations face. Like they're not buying technology and software for the sake of it. They're trying to solve a problem. And that problem might be a new campaign or that problem might be a really poor perception in the market from, their, from anyone, from regulators or the customers. And how are they going to solve it? We get to tackle those problems, which is really exciting. So there's a really long-winded answer. But those are sort of the two facets of my role today, really working with our internal teams and our customers. And then, yeah, trying to, trying to build out that breadth of talent within that Salesforce ecosystem. Just on, on that last point, that perception of, of talent and new talent to the market, because I know we've, we've discussed that before around, you know, getting a, a front end dev to come into the Salesforce ecosystem historically was tough because they were like, you know, that's not cool, that, that Salesforce platform. Do you still find that with like the grads and, and people that, you know, um, the, the companies are looking to bring into the ecosystem? Are they, are they still a bit hesitant or do you find that people are more, you know, because Salesforce is so much bigger now, everyone knows it, right? Yeah, 100%. Look, it's a mixed bag. I would say I'm definitely closer to that new generation of individuals coming out of STEM subjects with Deloitte than I previously would have been elsewhere because we would have found tangential type people and tried to bring them into the ecosystem, you know, just front end hackers, web developers, people that, you know, are kind of tinkery, I would call them makers almost. And I still believe that that is a fundamental kind of mentality and skill set that bodes well in the Salesforce ecosystem. And I mean, anyone could argue that, that that kind of mentality works really well in an engineering skill set or a, a technology skill set. But my discussions with kind of grads or vacationers or people coming through from universities is nowadays a lot more. They know or they've heard of Salesforce or Salesforce has been involved in some way, shape or form, or they know someone who works at Salesforce, which is another key thing. And they may have done an internship or they've done something at Salesforce previously, or they've done some trailheads, which is really interesting. I've had previous groups and cohorts that I've talked to not knowing anything about Salesforce come into our program, come into our teams, and then not, I guess, to an extent go, oh, I didn't know I was going to work with Salesforce. And you're kind of like, that's fine. But having that almost perception of, I didn't really want to work with just a software platform yeah like it yeah it is it you are and you're not you it's it is a software platform of course it's it's technology that we need to use but that's not the way you need to look at it and some people will come in and have that mindset and go oh, i don't really want to work with some logo from some enterprise group 
I want to build my own stuff. And you kind of go, well, I mean, you don't go for a ride on your bike or driving your car and go, I don't want to buy a bike. I want to build my own bike. Some people might. And I think even those people come into the Salesforce ecosystem and thrive above and beyond anyone else because they're interested in what's under the covers and they're interested in the limitations. And I think, yeah, it, it's still a battle today to find people that will be interested. And I think it's a battle to find those sort of unicorn technical individuals and go, hey, this is, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Sometimes you'll be developing, sure, but sometimes you won't. Like, don't always develop. There's some configuration that you can do here that makes it beneficial. And when sometimes devs, when they hear, they go, oh, <laughs> and then I, I think oh, I just want to dev everything but then other devs go no yeah I don't want to dev everything that sucks I want to yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to deal with test cases and deployments and all that I want to I want to configure some some basic you know functionality here and they'll get into that so I think there's still a battle but it's it's getting easier because of how big Salesforce is and the proactive effort that I feel that they're doing a better job of now in terms of advertising themselves. And we're doing it as well. You know, we're taking an initiative from Deloitte in the US and we'll be bringing it out locally, which is, you know, our own Salesforce Academy. So our own mechanism to be able to talk to individuals at that grassroots level, get them engaged in the community and then get them coming through a bit of a, a knowledge cycle to the point where eventually they almost get to make their own mind up and go, yeah, I, I, this is interesting to me and they, and they can come on board, right? I used to call it like people, people say you've drunk the Kool-Aid and it, it's both for a stakeholder or a business user that buys the product as well as a technical user that's going to uh, implement and deploy the product. You kind of need yeah. to drink that Kool-Aid before you're like, yeah, I love this. This is cool. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So what, like I've never seen the market as busy as, as it is now and you've been in the market for so long. You've seen the, the ups and downs and the, the trends and the high volume and, and times of, of lower volume, but what is actually driving this demand? Because people think, oh, the borders are closed, so that's why there's more vacancies that they can see online. But it's not just, a, like, even if the borders are open right now, I don't think we'd keep up with the volume of opportunity we're seeing. So what do you feel is creating so many vacancies? Yeah, that, that is a good point. I think the borders being closed is, you're right, I don't think if they opened up, we'd see a change, because this is not a local issue this is not a market specific au specific issue this is a global issue around finding talent in this industry in this sector or in this in this particular skill set right so it may stem or alleviate a little bit of the pain because for people like us you know maybe we could find you know satellite offices and and fly people out and and for, for different initiatives and projects but we're all working remotely anyway, so I don't know if that necessarily matters. But yeah, yeah the, the borders is probably a small percentage of it. I think when I see it on a day-to-day -day basis talking to customers, it is more so that, number one, there's more work. There is just so much more work around and available from partly, yes, the COVID components of people just making sure that they're either doing the contact tracing initiatives and there's some public sector initiatives coming as a result of that. I think that at a macroeconomic view, there's funding from government going into organizations in different areas, which is driving kind of digital initiatives because we're all locked down and we're at home. So every organization is going, right, how, how, do, we, how do we engage with our customers? What are we doing? What's our initiative? And part and parcel of that is, you know, we thought the last kind of 
calendar year, we, we thought that that retail kind of consumer area would have taken a massive hit in terms of the project and growth and the work and the, the engagement with sales. In fact, it was the opposite, right? It grew. And that's just part and parcel of the kind of pandemic in the situation we're in. And I think the other side of that coin is organizations have almost been through that initial pain of going, okay, I need to get digital. I need to get interact with my customers in some fashion. I need to have the technology there to support that. And now that I have it, how do I sweat it? How do I get the most out of it? Right? Because now it's a, I want to sweat the asset. I want to get more and more and more out of this Ferrari that I've been sold or I've bought and I'm using 5% of or 10% of. So we as SIs are definitely seeing more and more of those initiatives happening across the spectrum, across industries, obviously specifically in health. Obviously FSI is always booming. So you can't, that's it's just kind of this one sector that's just to the moon. Yeah. Uh, but, but across every sector, we're seeing growth in kind of digital technology transformations or initiatives. And some of them might've been items that were thought of prior to pandemic and then now they're finally executing on them others are elements of okay i've got this asset i do want to sweat it and then other elements are well we want to be self-sufficient we don't want to be stuck in a situation where we have to go out to vendors again so how do we do a capability uplift and sweat the asset internally with our own capability and our own skill set and so you add in all those factors the fact that there's more work We've got a combination of not just SIs, not just boutique SIs, but also customers or fishing from the same pool of talent that is only a finite size. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing I don't think people actually think about because if one company hires five developers in the market right now, all that does is create another five opportunities somewhere else. Yeah. It's that's not a, like the whole five right. people. Yeah, there's just another five people that need to be sourced. And like, it's just like a case of moving people around at the moment. It's like, you know, one person leaves here, goes there. Now there's a role there. And and it's just, I think the borders opening will have an impact on that because obviously people can come in to fill those roles and they're not being taken. There's net new talent into the local ecosystem. But where do we go wrong along the way to get to the, because Salesforce isn't a new technology, you know, it's 20, 20 years old now. It's not like it's this new brand new programming language that no one's ever kind of and like the person that created this programming language is the person that knows it. And then they teach a few people like Salesforce has been around for a long time. So is it just a case of there's been a lack of investment at the kind of grassroots level over the years to develop people to this point? Because, yeah, there there shouldn't be such a a gap in terms of skill set and capability in the local market. I 100% agree with that. Like definitely there's been very little investment at that grassroots level, right? When, you, when you're talking to individuals coming out of universities, part of their career trajectory should be, even before they go to university, should be an element of working with enterprise technologies and CRMs like Salesforce. Like the fact that maybe it's even before university, maybe it's uh, getting into high schools, but that might be a bit rich, you know? But even giving... I think a bit of an understanding to young individuals that have good, fresh ideas and concepts, which, you know, you don't want to take these people that have, you know, very nice views on the world and, hey, we can do it better. But this is this is what's being used now. Like, how do we use something we're already using better, I think is a, a really interesting problem to solve. And I think that's what the next generation can bring along. But yeah, absolutely. From the first point, very, very little investment in that grassroots area. Us as SIs probably haven't done the best work ourselves in 
we've been kind of organically growing and following you know uh, customer demand and as a result of that that the the market grows in a, a natural kind of trajectory of okay there's more projects therefore there's more people and I think almost right now it's like lots of projects will mean hey there will be some, a lot more people and a few more people will come in and we just hope that that doesn't turn into some project housing kind of boom right where we've got all these we've got a glut of individuals all of a sudden but surely that won't happen because of because of the demand like because some people are worried about you know is now the right time to move because the market's busy as soon as the borders open is the the demand going to go down or like because even um you know there are people out there that have been lured into the market by the promise of you, you see these things from Salesforce like we're going to have we're going to need 15,000 people in Sydney next week to fill the volume of opportunities we're creating. And yeah. then in 2023, it's going to be, you know, 100,000 in Sydney. And then, you know, the, globally, all these numbers. And people read that and they're like, great, I'm going to come into the ecosystem. I'm, I'm going to follow Trailhead. I'm, I'm going to do the things that I'm being informed and guided to do. But then there's these people that just still can't get jobs because, They've only got trailhead experience and because they're not the grads that, that people are hiring, you know, there, there are people that want to do it, but they're not given the opportunities because they don't have project experience. And because because teams are so stretched at the moment, you know, like SIs don't have the capability at the moment to train people and to upskill people because they're so stretched. We are definitely not, our, our strength is not in taking someone laterally and giving them the the broad depth and understanding of the Salesforce ecosystem and everything they need to know. But I think almost that's kind of the vendor's responsibility to an extent. I think where we are looking, we're, everyone's being a lot more creative now and we're looking outside of the traditional kind of feeder system, if you will, of individuals. And we're looking more broadly and in, in other ways to get talent and capability into the ecosystem. And I think for something like boutique vendors that are out there now, and when we were a startup, and we were Veltio and we, we would have laughed at that concept because we'll take anyone off the street. I'm like, can you spell Salesforce? Well, we're going to teach you how to spell Salesforce. And do you know anything about any of these? Well, you are absolutely, you're going to be a gun developer. And we will just train them. Like we, we took the time and the effort to put a big hug around them because like, that's how we learn. We learn on client site, in the weeds, in the product. And we knew the benefit of being able to take anybody from anywhere and skill them onto the product itself. I think we're probably more open to that now because of the current circumstances and bigger SIs would have been less open to that previously because, you know, we have a system, we have people, we have an opportunity to take these people and take them on a journey and go through our project pipeline and skill them up with some leadership and, and go through that kind of funnel, if you will. But now we got to, everyone needs to excel. Like all rules are, all, everything's off the table. We need to accelerate that. So what's the best way to accelerate that? And it all, it requires the vendor doing that rubber stamp a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think the certification element and the trailhead element is interesting. Trailheads are great to get your feet wet, but they're not giving individuals that kind of on-site project experience, right? And to, uh, to be honest, customers aren't asking us can, do you have people that know how to configure Salesforce? They're asking us, how do we configure Salesforce in the best way to tackle this particular problem? And that comes with a level of expertise. And we do need to take more chances and we do need to be more open with taking new individuals 
and maybe expertise in other enterprise areas and bringing that problem solving and solutioning into our ecosystem. And, and that's happening. Like there are organizations that are doing that and taking lateral people and training them. You know, everyone needs to do a better job of that. Yeah. Well, we, we spoke off record about the analogy of a, a transfer window. And, you know, in the English Premier League, twice per year, clubs are able to sign players. And outside of that, they have to invest in the team they've got. They have to, you know, bring people through from the academy. Obviously, I'd probably be out of a job because uh, if I could only, <laughs> if I could, there were only two periods of time in a year I could place people, I'd struggle for, for the other. I'd see you as a manager, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'd be like a, a football agent. I'd just yeah. be um, getting the the people through and and coaching them on how to negotiate salaries for the the ten months of the year. I'm not allowed to place them, but yeah, at the moment it's like a feeding frenzy, right? Every this the transfer window is open and everyone yeah. tiring. Yeah, I mean um, that that 100. That that analogy, I always say it now, and we've approached it like that too, to to an extent where we're building a team of rock stars and we're getting our Ronaldos and our our Messies together because that is our best opportunity to also attract another and the next wave of talent within our organization. You know, people want inspirational, charismatic leaders. They also want a ton of experience that they can learn off. A lot of people that they could just sit down and download from, or even just, you know, there are, there are people that we have internally that will give the unwritten context to a particular point within the product so that someone gets a fully fledged understanding of why something is so frustrating in the product. <laughs> I go, why are the knowledge base tables so convoluted? And it's like, well, they bought this French company years ago and integrated it <laughs> cloud and they kind of went, we're going to put it onto the native platform and they half-assed it and they went to the year. Like giving it like a little bit of flavor into why things happen historically is I think interesting for new individuals and for our teams as well, because they go, ah, that's cool. It's like a little Easter egg of information as to why this tool is this way. And I can work around that now. Now I know that that is there and why it's there. Then I can work with it and be happy with it rather than just getting frustrated with it. Yeah, for sure. Now talking about products and, and what's going well and what's maybe not going so well, industries and solutions for particular industries. It's, you know, a massive hot topic at the moment. We've got um, we've got health, we've got all sorts of, I, I mentioned a solution for government I, I hadn't heard of before just this week, I think. I don't know if that was something out of Dreamforce. Maybe I'm just off. Public sector cloud or something specific? I, I don't know. Maybe it was public sector cloud, but I, I hadn't heard of that yet. There are so many of them, right? There are so many of those solutions. And I think a good example was the pandemic hit and there was, you know, it was kind of like the vaccine cloud or whatever, right? like the, the, the Salesforce branding of that. And re- and the reality is, at least they were open about it, the reality is it was, you know, a bunch of talented sales engineers at Salesforce kind of gluing together a product suite to show how you could tackle the pandemic and manage bookings and manage a, a rollout. Those initiatives, I think, are really cool. But to be honest, I find in the industry space that a lot of the solutions are still that very thin veneer of, that sales engineer demo slide vaporware almost solution with not a huge amount under the covers for an industry to be able to go i'm taking that off the shelf and rolling it out right and i think we've we've talked about it before where to take that industry specific solution and make sure it really really hits the mark you need an individual and two brains of thinking you know the understanding of the deep operational process the organization, the sector, the regulation, 
and a technical functional view of how do you execute on all of that right and that that only happens every now and then and salesforce is an example of that you get a partnership with two brains parker harris and mark benioff mark benioff an amazing salesperson takes parker harris and gives to him the blueprint for managing pipeline and forecasting within a tool and they build it right yeah and then you know the rest is history and it expands beyond there but those industry specific solutions generally the achilles heel and the crux they fall over when they don't have that person behind it that knows that industry in and out both at a process regulatory operational level as well as the technical level to be able to translate that process into how do you how do you use this tool to execute that process or that function how do you better use it for your organization optimize a process or how do you you know, rationalize a whole bunch of different processes and systems into this one solution. So yeah, my frustration always with industry cloud per se, I don't want to say that like it's a velocity problem or anything, but I think it does come with a lot of marketing when we get to these industry solutions and we go, here it is, customer. And the customer goes, hmm. And the reality behind it is maybe Salesforce have put a bit of better demo effort into it but the product still needs a lot of work from SIs like us or individuals in an organization that can connect the dots and turn it into what they need for their particular industry. Yeah, because that, I mean, in terms of the the capability of SIs and specialists, like if this technology comes off the shelf and it's a technology for a public sector organization, can a Salesforce professional then become an industry expert because they know Salesforce public sector or like you said, you need two people, you need two brains. Do we need people coming from public sector that learn Salesforce to be a public sector specialist in Salesforce because they have that domain experience? I think, I think so. I think that's where the trend is going. You know, we're going to take a lot more lateral movements from industry and industry specialists. And in ways where they're open, they're still open to taking a kind of technical and functional role on what a product can do for them or what a technology can do for their industry. Because you can't, like the other side of that coin as we're talking or we've talked before you can't take an individual throw them into an industry or with a customer they learn a solution from that vendor in that industry now they're not a specialist in that industry they're a specialist in that vendor's solution for that industry and that's Mm -hmm. it and that's all they probably know right but if they have the kind of the propensity to learn and want to know more I think they can expand and become more than that and know the industry in and out and then understand how to connect the dots in a platform like Salesforce as well as a solution that they may have learned 100%. But that's, you know, that's, that's rare. So to get a badge on a, I'm this industry certified or I'm this cloud certified, which is industry specific is still taking generalists in the platform space giving them a little bit more knowledge about maybe a small discrete process, but they're not, they're not learning the ins and outs of the industry, right? That knowledge comes with deep understanding and the individuals that have been there for ages. And I think our best opportunities and a lot of the best opportunities within a lot of SIs have been taking ex-customers and translating them into the Salesforce, like deep Kool-Aid drinking into that Salesforce ecosystem where now you know, they've been along the ride for a journey of an implementation. They've earned some stripes. They've been burnt. They've learned a few different things about being able to deploy an initiative. And they can take all of that learning 
and apply it to an industry lens within an SI. That I think is really, really powerful. And they're those sorts of individuals, if they're kind of makery enough and tinkery enough, they can really, really succeed in this space. Because I would still always call myself a generalist where I even say to this day, I've done everything from telco to tobacco and learnt all these intricate industries. And sometimes I go, not all customers are unique, right? We do find a lot of the same problems within a lot of different industries and customers have the same issues. And I find that we can, we can apply a lot of the same patterns and pattern type thinking on the platform and the technology to alleviate some of the issues and inefficiencies that they may have in those processes. But slowly more and more, I will find an interest in a particular industry from you know, year to year. And you know, last year, it was more in the health and kind of insurance space. And this year, I'm focusing more in kind of PU&R, which we, will, like, we call power utilities and, and renewables. But I'm always interested in those gaps of who does this space well? Is there a gap? Is there something missing? Can we as an organization take our learnings and develop an asset that is really valuable to the market? Because it at least gives you a springboard to the next step, because this problem, we see it everywhere. And if I take that same solution of that problem and go, okay, this is not a like for like, but we can tinker with it, then customers, I think, appreciate that because everyone wants to get that springboard, but to do it really, really well and become an official product of an industry or a sector, you need to know it. You need to know the industry and the sector inside and out and then and build that asset, right? Build that product. Are you seeing that in all industries? Like I know, again, something we've discussed before, like an, a product like Procore, which is for construction. So the, the, I know there's like solutions for specific industries, but like if you look at PUNR, like you said, are Salesforce coming up against niche products that deliver the same kind of business solution to a customer, but in a very specific industry across all industries? Or do people still look to Salesforce because it's a, a powerful CRM or, or much more than that now? And that's why they have a seat at the table still. Well, I think, to be honest, in that regard, when it comes to something really niche, like a project management approach, Salesforce almost do themselves a disservice by being all about the customer and being the CRM. And it's like, we're the customer. And they, you know, these organizations are like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with project management here. Like that, that customer element, that's a different department. You know, that's marketing. That's a different area of our organization. We want to execute on this operational project that we've got to build a tower in Barangaroo and we've got to manage these on-site contractors and that's where in like organizations like a Procore do so well they speak the language they know that industry they price their product based on the way that industry is built effectively I think they're not like licensed per user per month or anything they're, they're licensed based on the size of your project portfolio which you could say is a bit of a cop out, like a Zawara, we clip the ticket on the end of your revenue. But it's, it, you know, the pricing is also is brought forward in a language that makes sense to these organizations. And it's that Amazon mentality of you pay for what you use in their own language of, you know, how big my product uh, or my development portfolio is. So I think that that approach is 100. And it comes to the other discussion that we've had before around that kind of licensing frustration with Salesforce as well. It, I want just this sliver. I want this bit. And, you know, there's concepts of, you know, reduced functionality licensing and all of that. And it's like, okay, can I get more of that 
sort of community logging based approach to this licensing and that that really becomes an interesting discussion with customers and it's you know we we're always around but it's generally had directly with salesforce and i think that they'll, they'll probably work it out in their own magical way but yeah i going back to the industries i've seen so many misses in the salesforce industry space where you just go well mr customer you could have you can just buy a call license and and maybe that's the tactic all along that customers just realize well this is just a call license with some lipstick on it and we'll go, and we'll go from there because realistically what's the difference between a service cloud and a fsc cloud like the the reality from a execution perspective is i have some benefits but the customer can still do a lot of what they could do in the other area without maybe you know that additional kind of price tag and you know like in my sector right now we've got organizations like a site tracker that come up they do you know effectively project management for the PUNR sector lots of big telco towers and the roll-ups of those towers and they just know how that industry works and how they manage their portfolio and their projects and they that's it that's all they do bang done right and you got to stay small and you got to stay focused and know everything about your particular sector inside and out. Otherwise, if you try and stretch your wings too far, you fall over because people get confused. And I think Salesforce sometimes does that with themselves because people go, oh, I thought you were a CRM. Oh no, we're a platform as well. And they still have that battle. And I still treat Salesforce as a platform. I don't call it a CRM. It's a platform. It's a development platform. You can build anything you want on it. I have some limitations, but I can build anything you want on it. And as long as you're willing to buy in, we can make stuff happen. And, you know, you get some customers, like I'd be the worst CIO because I would just go, right, I'm going to roll out a whole bunch of Salesforce stuff and AWS stuff, but I'm going to know where all the skeletons are <laughs> and I'm going to buy it in the cheapest fashion and Salesforce, yeah, yeah. Would, and Salesforce would hate me. But I, I think that whole licensing piece is, um, it's not just Salesforce. Like, I think like the world has changed. And when you've got things like, you know, Netflix, you pay $14 a month, or whatever, mm -hmm. and three people can basically use your thing. You can use it on five different devices and they can be anywhere in the world. So like, I think the whole world has changed. Like the big corporate companies, like LinkedIn as an example. So I, I saw a post this week on LinkedIn, funnily enough, but it was a recruiter saying like, how out of touch are LinkedIn with regards to pricing of messages? And the guy said, I could, I could send five candidates a pizza each for less money than it would cost me to send them five messages through LinkedIn. Because I think once you've gone over your certain limit, it was something like to get an extra 10 messages, it was like $700 to be able to send 10 extra messages. And I think these companies get to this size and they've just, this is how we've always done it, right? So that's how we're going to continue charging people for, for licenses or messages and things like that but eventually it has to get to a point where people just won't accept that yeah i think there's a natural kind of revolt in space but it, for salesforce there's no disruptor there's no competitor in the market and they're so good at just buying up a competitor or someone in the market or probably already having their finger in the pie of a competitor you know if you if you look at that kind of emerging space and you go well hubspot i mean i'm pretty sure salesforce ventures an investor in hubspot and hubspot actively advertise against salesforce in their in their podcast advertising which is like hilarious so the salesforce have got so many opportunities to i guess quash the competition in their space and make that a mute point if, if you will but i think 
when you know customers want to buy Salesforce because they don't want to build, right? They want to buy something that's tried and proven and has that capability to do X function. The more talent we see in the STEM space and the more capability uplift within organizations, I think there probably will be a bit of a natural transition, right? And, you know, we always say that Salesforce is an investment in technology and like AWS is an investment in people. And, you know, you invest in your individuals, you get your in DevOps and your team skilled up in that space. And they're the internal advocates for what your default solution is when you're an organization versus um, Salesforce has that solution. And now, you know, I'm going to leverage a bunch of specialists and maybe some internal people on rolling that out effectively. But, you know, I think maybe there'll be a natural kind of correction and the licensing thing will work out. But I always just think it's a funny game. What's more interesting to me is, you know, senior individuals in organizations talk more technical languages and become more interested and more, I guess, in tune with what's under the covers. Because I think that that day is soon fast approaching where you're not a traditional CEO. As a CEO, you're almost a a mashup of a CTO, CFO, CIO. You know, you've got a broad understanding and business acumen, but you, you know an element of the technical kind of wizardry around some of these options and solutions available in market because you're you're kind of that digital native but now you're a ceo right and i think our next generation is getting to that point you'll get there and I, i see it now right every grad that i'm interviewing they have their minds in two spaces you know they're either technical or they're you know kind of business driven when we talk to them and a lot of these individuals are doing like these double degrees where they're doing commerce and information systems or comp site and economics and you go well you're doing those two to stay relevant but you're only actually interested in one of those but learning both is really valuable yeah but then it also becomes really frustrating for us to trying to distill talent and I go okay I want engineers and I can come across someone who's done you know economics and comp site and then I can tell straight away they don't want to be a developer and they don't want to be an engineer, but they do want to be, uh, you know, a consultant. They do want to know about, you know, what's under the covers within the world that we live in and businesses that we work with and the processes that we engage with. And I go, okay, so that's good that you've got that anchoring of that comp side because that'll benefit you as you go through this other journey. But yeah, 100%, those individuals are of I'm a pure play this CEO, whatever, whatever we want to call a traditional concept of a CEO, are fast getting kind of gentrified to the point where these digital natives are going to come out, come out and you know know how to execute as well. And I think that's one thing our generation does really, really well. So not my generation, I'm old now, but the next generation, and I guess the generation that grew up on technology as an enabling asset for anything they do. You know, the app for that generation is hey, I know there's a, there's a way to execute on this, so I'm going to execute on this. And whether it's building it myself or finding people to build it for me or finding a combination and glued set of tools out there to do that, I know it's possible, right? And they won't just kind of re- resort to spreadsheets as our predecessors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is there any risk to Salesforce in terms of talent and companies saying, look, I can't keep 
investing in Salesforce because I can't find the talent? Like, do you think that's you know a potential risk, or do you see the the just the as is just to continue and people keep pumping money into the ecosystem and the growth just continues to expand and hopefully the talent at some point catches up? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think that's more a blind spot on customers' parts to say, oh, I can't invest in this product anymore because I can't find the individuals. Like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul depending on where you want to invest as an organization yourself. So what are your other options? And that's not to sound facetious. It's like, what's your other option? There are other options, but that requires a level of investment, right? And as an organization, you go, you're there to like soda companies say we're not technology companies right okay i'm a soda company i'm not a technology company but the reality is yes you are a technology company because you run your business on technology without that technology you wouldn't be able to get to your customers you wouldn't be able to advertise your asset you wouldn't be able to track you know your funnel of widgets your manufacturer so you are a technology company everyone's a technology company so you need to invest in skill sets internally to make sure that you're you're a relevant organization and you can keep up with innovation in technology so when you go, okay, I can't keep finding these individuals, maybe the onus is also on our customers and clients too to say, well, invest and find individuals that are talented and young and in the same ilk that we look for and you know, invest in them and train in them and, and get them involved in the ecosystem. I think that happens so well in the US, so, so well, because to be fair, they are really good at drinking the Kool-Aid at an organizational level the likes of a, of a GE or a Honeywell or whatever, these, these large corporations will actively participate in grandstanding and flying the flag for Salesforce. And then, you know, that rolls through the culture of the organization. And I think there's some organizations here that do it really well too, but that's part and parcel of life now is almost pick a team, pick a, pick a stack, pick something and let's like get on the bandwagon and let's invest. And, and, and that's, that's on both sides. Like, Choose that you're not going to choose an off-the-shelf team and, and you build your team of, of individuals and build whatever you want and do whatever you want, execute on any initiative you want in whatever way you want, or double down and invest in the ecosystem as well as everybody else and bring new individuals on board and find different diverging mindsets within your organization of stakeholders that will use this technology to do something, right? Take everyone from the CEO to the marketing director to the developer and get them all on the same level set based on what you've chosen. Because if you're on the customer side and you're constantly like, oh, this tool is so difficult. I can't find anyone to do what I want. I can't find the right people. They just don't exist. This is too hard. Salesforce, I'm really upset at you because you said it could do. Well, it, it, it rubs both ways. You've got to buy in. Salesforce have been really good at that, of making sure that if you buy in you get it you get everything you want like you'll get what you need out of it if you don't buy in and you just think of it as this slightly cleverer dumb database in the cloud then you're in the wrong space you're buying the wrong product and yeah you buy that product for the wrong reason absolutely but well, i think that's a good uh, good place to to end and i've uh, as always enjoyed catching up and, and getting your view on things and uh, yeah lots of hot topics in there so if anyone wants to explore anything you've said linkedin is still the best place to reach out yeah linkedin you can look me up i'm sure i'm a deloitte registry somewhere pat reynolds at deloitte.com.au but linkedin's always the easiest way to get in contact with me but yeah so absolutely thank you thanks for thanks for the chat i always like shooting the breeze as they say with with yourself i, I just like talking about 
our ecosystem so much. And I like that this is a positive conversation. Well, I think it's it, like I on, always get an honest conversation with you. That's the, you know, like you, you say how it is and you, you're straight to the chase. So that's the, that's, you know, you, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. I always want to be honest. And I think it'd be refreshing if everyone was honest, right, in our space and what we do. Because I used to say, oh, guys, we're not saving lives. It's not rocket science. But nowadays, it's not the case. We are saving lives. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes it even more like poignant and even cooler and even more relevant, which is awesome. Like I found, you know, when it was just that sales cloud aspect and a lot of those types of projects used to feel you were in that rigmarole of just helping more people sell more widgets and finding more efficient ways to sell widgets and more effective ways to engage with people so that they will buy more widgets. (laughs) And now it's actually... No, we're saving lives. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And as always, good to catch up. Cheers, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, we're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible. And your reviews will help us do that.